Hello everyone, I'm The Touring, and I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Lore of the Apocalypse. On this show, I'm going to explore the lore of Werewolf the Apocalypse. With version 5 of Werewolf and a couple of official video games all right around the corner, I thought it was a great time to refresh my memory on over two decades of lore while inviting others along for the ride. If you like what I'm doing or have any questions, feel free to hit me up on either Twitter or Patreon, both of which I'm the underscore Toring, and that's T-O-E-R-I-N-G. That's enough for me, let's get to it. Ah, hello again, Cub. Back for another round of learning, are you? You know the drill by now. Grab a spot by the fire with the old man and listen well. Tonight I'm going to tell you about the Umbra. What's the Umbra, you ask? Why, it's the spirit world that lives on top of and within the physical world. These two worlds are so intricately linked that what happens in one happens in the other. A whole other world, just out of reach on the other side of a thin curtain, we call the Gauntlet. A few weeks ago I explained some of the things that make a Garu a Garu, but that was really only half of the story. Changing our skin and our form is just one of the things that makes us the chosen warriors and protectors of Gaia. Back then I told you that Garu were created from two worlds and you probably thought I meant the worlds of wolf and man. But the reality is that the two worlds metaphor holds true on many levels for our kind. Wolf and man, wilderness and city, physical world and spirit world, rage and gnosis, warrior and shaman, all of these things are part of what make a Garu whole. Without these two parts to the same being, we would be Nothing more than a normal human or a wolf. Well, a human or a wolf can do some of the things that we do. They can't shapeshift or step sideways into the umbra like we can. And this is because they do not have rage or gnosis. I'll dig deeper into both of those terms later, but let's just stick with the basics for now. Rage is what we call the gift that Luna gives to Garu to aid us in our defense of Gaia. While everyone can feel rage within them, that's a little different than the pure rage and power that we have within us. It's what allows us to change our skin and fight on even under the most extreme stress or what would be or should be crippling wounds. Gnosis, on the other hand, is our connection to nature, and by extension to the umbra and spirits that live within it. While a human can have a connection to nature, it is shallow and fleeting compared to that which the Garu have. Think of a mortal's connection to the natural world as like a cup of water compared to a flowing stream that is uh, Garu's. The Umbra is separated from the physical world by a thin membrane that, like I said, we call the Gauntlet, although it can sometimes be called the Veil. Either way, this is the barrier that separates the physical world from the spiritual one. This Gauntlet is thinner in some places and thicker in others. That's why some places like graveyards creep people out on the base level. There are several different parts to the Umbra, and we'll go through them each in more detail later. 
but for now I'm going to stick to the penumbra. It's the portion of the umbra that overlaps the physical world the most closely. And while it does mirror the physical world, it isn't an exact match. Terrain features like mountains and rivers will be in mostly the same places, but more transient things like people, cars, uh, new buildings, they won't be there. And in this world, things can be strange and twisted as invisible spirits that surround everything and everyone in the material world can be seen. Long ago, the spiritual and physical worlds were one, and it was in this twin world that Gaia created the Garu. As beings of both flesh and spirit, the Umbra is our birthright, one half of our home, separated from us by a barrier of spiritual calcification, the gauntlet. Erected in prehistory by a cosmic force of stasis, the Weaver, the gauntlet divides the realms of flesh and spirit and would forever keep them apart. By our dual heritage, we walk in both worlds, and while the gauntlet can make passing back and forth between the two difficult, if not nearly impossible, uh, like I said, in graveyards and unspoiled wilds, this barrier is weak, but within cities and heavy industrial centers of man, the weaver spirits have cast their webs over the wall between the worlds and thickened it, making it much more difficult to pass through. Uh, either way, the process for passing through the gauntlet is the same. You must meditate upon a reflective surface. Steel pools of water, mirrors, windows, they all serve as focus for the werewolf's will to reach the other side. Your gnosis, that wellspring inside of you that is linked to the, the natural world and the spirit world, it reaches for the penumbra. This stirring is much like reaching out to part a veil. Many describe the feeling as similar to pushing through a thin sheet of water that leaves one's skin dry but tingling with the sensation of goosebumps. Others say it feels like pressing bodily into a layer of gelatinous liquid. In both cases, the gauntlet can seem warm in places of spiritual strength or cold where the gauntlet is thick and oppressive some ascribe a sticky feeling to it like plunging through a great spider web especially deep within cities and places of spiritual sterility at the moment of transition the werewolf's pulse quickens the hair on the back of the neck stands up and the mind races with a feeling like a sudden realization it is a transformation of flesh into spirit, matter into ephemera. With a final surge, you're through, the gauntlet releasing you, and you stand fully in the penumbra. Of course, it's not always quite so simple. On rare occasions, you can get stuck in that gauntlet. This occurs more frequently in places where the gauntlet is thicker, and it's one of the most horrifying feelings a werewolf can ever experience. For hours you feel what the worm must feel over eons, bound in the weaver's web, uh, helpless and pulled between worlds, but residing in neither. No matter how hard you thrash, you cannot tear free of the webs. The harder you pull, the more they restrict you, 
slashing claws do nothing against these spiritual bindings. And for the duration, you are prey. Unless another can pull you free. The thought of Gaia stuck like that as the worm eats her or the weaver chokes the life from her is a, enough to rile my rage even thinking about it. But enough about the dangers. Uh, because once you make it through that gauntlet, that's when it all becomes worth it. It's like stretching stiff muscles. The world is somehow more real. The colors of nature more vivid than even on the sunniest of summer days. It's like shifting into lupus for the first time all over again. But it's like that every single time, even when you're in Hamid. Some of the old folk call your first breath in the Umbra the second breath, because you don't really take the second breath of your life as a Garu until you've tasted the air on the other side of the gauntlet. In the Umbra, you're looking at the world as it once was with the forces of the Triad manifest in tangible forms. The spiders of the weaver cover the cities of man with cobwebs, while banes of the worm surround chemical factories and areas of urban decay. All while the nature spirits of the wild grow around the edges, thrusting up through the cracks in the dying world like weeds growing from the sidewalk. Here in the penumbra, these signs are more than hints as symbolism takes on a life of its own. Garu can witness the forces that shape the very world as in their purest state. Some even say it's the way that Gaia sees the world. I'll stop myself here, though, as I, I did say this would be a basic overview, and we're getting close to stepping over the line into something more advanced than that. For now... Why don't you tuck in for the night, and maybe when you dream this evening, you'll find yourself on the other side of the gauntlet. Sleep tight, and don't let the worm bite. That's it for this week's episode of Lore of the Apocalypse. Tune in next week for another one. Thank you for listening, but a very special thanks to my patrons, Bambi Parsons and the Primogen. Without you, the battle for Gaia would already be lost. Mm-hmm.